and welcome to The Graduates, a radio show dedicated to Berkeley graduate student research. My name is Stephanie Gerson, and I'll be your hostess for the show here on KALX Berkeley. So today we are talking to Chris Peck, a.k.a. Peck the Town Crier, a former grad student, now a full-time musician, and who actually produced the background music for the show that you just heard. Uh, so welcome, Chris. Hi. <laughs> and I say we because there's three of us today. There's myself, there is Chaz Walker, who's a current law student and who's going to be producing for The Graduates. So welcome, Chaz. Hi, thank you. And there's Max Radcliffe, who's already a producer on CalX News and who's also going to be taking on The Graduates. So welcome, Max. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. All right, so this interview might be somewhat confusing because there's three interviewers and one interviewee, but it'll be interesting nevertheless. So Chris, uh, there was an article written about your music in the Marin Independent Journal last year, and the author emphasized that he's never heard anything quite like your music, and I know you describe your music as story raps and his top. So just to start out, what do these terms mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, his top kind of came from um, trying to blend these raps with hand-played music that was all coming from old roots of American music, like boogie-woogie and marching band drumming and some stuff that's newer roots, like party funk kind of music and stuff like that. But it's always a, a rap that's delivering some kind of story. And then story raps or song rap, I call it sometimes, is kind of the vibe that there there's rapping, but it's always conforming to like the form of songwriting, the the older style of songwriting. Yeah. Okay, and I know that you use a looping pedal. So yep. can you talk a little bit about that? Especially when I'm alone. Um, I'll use a looping pedal, which is this for anyone who doesn't know, this device that often is on the floor. And you can play a phrase with any instrument. Maybe you've got a microphone plugged into it or an instrument plugged directly in. And you step on it at the beginning of the phrase and again at the end, and it starts to just loop infinitely. And then you can layer on top of that with other instruments, plug other things into the mixer. And so if I'm playing alone, I'll use that a lot. And it's kind of like a really handy thing, and the audience can see the song get yeah. tiled up from the beginning to the end. And yeah. then if I'm playing with my band, I don't, I don't have that with me. But it ended up being that all the songs from this album started as a looping pedal song and then kind of got transcribed to being played by people. Uh-huh. How is there a maximum number of layers? Can you, can you, la- can you layer a infinite tracks you can really? um the one i've got is, is a cheap like one yeah, yeah it gets more and more like lo-fi and stuff and that sounds kind <laughs> of awesome sometimes right and then other times you just want like only your beatboxing and your rap or something mm-hmm. yeah i guess you could watch the song evolve from one instrument into mush mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. i've seen that happen <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's actually dive in and listen to some of your story rapping slash hist hopping and why don't we start with some breathing exercises? I know the album you're referring to is... Groundhog's Day. Day. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it, and then we'll listen to it. So it's called Breath Control, and I guess um, I met a guy, a rapper named Peace, one night when I was out in San Francisco, and he, he's part of this thing called the Freestyle Fellowship in San Francisco, and they're just kind of like this big tribe of really thoughtful musicians. And he was like, hey, I'll teach you a breath control exercise if you buy me a drink. And <laughs> so 
he asked for a white Russian and then he taught me this breath control exercise. And like a week or so later, I was trying to remember what he did and just kind of came up with this. Deep in your soul, breath control, difficult to be bought and sold. Stuff like that. Wow. And then there's all these different rhythms that I went through and kind of tried to breathe in and out while talking the way the guy Peace did. So I did like the it's in the out and the it's in the out of the breath, the out and the it's the breath, it's the breath, the it's in the out and the it's in the out of the breath, the out and the it's the breath. Stuff like that. Wow. Did did it give you more breath control? Yeah. Song over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So you work the practice into the music. Yeah, uh, and I know that you also use your body as an instrument, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. clapping and body yeah, percussion. Yeah, doing, doing the body percussion. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Can you do some for us? Yeah. Um, people started calling it the ham bone. Like I, I moved to New York when I was like 18, and somebody said, oh, that's the ham bone. And when I had done it, originally I just had one move I knew how to do with my hands that just kind of like evolved naturally. Like in my lap, it sounded like... <laughs> and like all the permutations of that and then I saw this guy in the subway in New York who was like a big muscle man with sandbags taped onto his body and he did it really big on his whole body sandbags for exercise he said it was for great exercise instead of breath control yeah, yeah, and he was really loud and huh. performed in the subway with no amplification. And he was like, yeah, that this is the ham bone. The hand bone. <laughs> yeah, okay, so in general, I know you like to combine different types of music from Brazilian percussion to marching band drumming, along with different instruments from pan flutes to harmonicas. So tell us about that. I've been a dabbler for a long time, and I've had like kind of like a good friend in each scene of music. Whatever town I'm living in, it's like I've got a good friend who's playing bebop or a good friend who's playing gospel or another friend who's a, a composer. And I'll end up like imitating them for a while and kind of trying to hang out in that scene and then going, no, I don't fit in there either. <laughs> and then it usually ends up happening that like I'll have every now and then an album that's just completely a big like cluttered mess, you know, and just doesn't really cohese but it's just a lot of experiments and then other times I'll have one that I feel like coheses but it'll it'll always still be kind of a um hodgepodge and so this last record Groundhog's Day I felt like it was one of the hodgepodges that like worked better and had more of a through line to it Mm -hmm. and what about I know you also include different sound making devices that aren't necessarily used as instruments all the time like a megaphone yeah. And the clapping machine. Actually, yeah, can you talk the about clapping what the clapping wall. the clapping wall <laughs> you came to that show. Can you yeah, can you talk about the clapping wall and just where you get other yeah. ingredients from? I guess I've been getting into like the sight gag element of being a musician lately and just having a, a stage show that's funny and like somewhat surprising to people. And so I had an idea that like there should be this wall with holes cut in it and microphones standing in front of the wall and the audience is kind of like, well, what's he going to use that for? And then I've got this song called Shout that's got these like clapping rhythms that a bunch of hands do together. And in the middle of that tune, all these arms pop out of the wall in front of the microphone and <laughs> clap and sing. It's and, really great. And everybody was like, ah. And I, <laughs> we only did it once because it was pretty labor intensive and I had to bring three clappers to the show. 
Yeah. I, I would be proud to be a clapper someday if you ever need one. You got rhythm. Ah, so. Thanks. Uh, and I know you started playing on the guitar, right? But then, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I know you injured your wrist, and that kind of forced you to move into other instruments or maybe more into music composition. Yeah. So can you talk about how your wrist injury, what happened, and how that influenced your music? Yeah, bit? it was a big time, like, um, changing of the tides for me as a person. Like, growing up, I played guitar and drums and bass. And that was like my whole um, deal as a person, basically, was like I play instruments and on albums, when I would make my own recordings, I would just play all the instruments myself. And when I was 20, I was building a like rehearsal studio and just messed up my wrists, like working on a ceiling for 10 hours a day or something. And it just kind of hurt to play for about five years or so. Wow. Yeah. And so I was in music school at the time and I was supposed to be getting better and better at guitar. And it was like, hmm, you know, it hurts to practice. Yeah. So I switched to a part of the school called Gallatin. This is inside of NYU. And it's a part where you can make up your own major. And so I ended up calling my major um, Navigating Society as an Artist. And so it was just kind of like a, um, a chance for me to dabble in composition and just sort of pick freely from across the whole music program and not be inside of the jazz program curriculum. And it was like, yeah, just starting to find other people to play my ideas for me. And it Uh turned me into more like a brain kind of musician and less of an intuitive hand played person. So, yeah. Huh. And I'm not, I'm not sure if this was inspired by your injury as well, but I know that you've recently put more emphasis on, you mentioned this earlier, on the performance slash entertainment side yeah. of things. I'm trying to get it to the point where it's like always a spectacle every time I do a show. Things like the clapping wall or like there was a time where I wore like a, a zoot suit, but I was really hiding like tights and beads and like a poncho underneath it. <laughs> and, uh, and so you ripped off the Yeah, suit. I ripped off my suit and I was wearing like a leotard. <laughs> During which song? It was in between songs. I did oh. like a montage. I like danced and stripped between these two oh, songs. So where was I that time? <laughs> you gotta let me know. Not on stage, think. unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of performance, uh, I highly recommend that listeners check out uh, Chris Peck's videos on YouTube because there's a really great one of you dancing with a, a large piece of pampas grass. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I didn't find the zoot suit strip scene, but <laughs> maybe I haven't looked hard enough. Okay, so one question I have to ask is, what is the story behind your alias? Oh, God. Um, There's a crass element to it that I won't tell, but basically something embarrassing happened to um, our friend Naftali Rudder Mm -hmm. one time, and uh, he he told me the story and said, don't tell anyone. But it was like a really irresistibly embarrassing, like something that would have happened to like Kramer on Seinfeld or something. (laughs) And so I told everybody. (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, we got the town crier over here. And he's the kind of guy who like coins things left and right. And so he just started calling me crier and town crier and all this stuff all the time. And whenever he would tell me a story, he'd say, yeah, and now you're going to town cry on me and I can always count on that. And so I started going by so Peck the town crier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm spreading the, the legend of Naftali Rudder. <laughs> Okay, so for those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to The Graduates on Calex. Today, we're talking to Chris Peck, Peck the town crier, who produced the background music for the show. And I say we because 
the interviewers include myself along with two up-and-coming producers for the show, Chaz Walker and Max Radcliffe. Our so, silent partners. Our si- who are no longer going to be silent because now I'm going to hand the interview baton over to Chaz. So it's all you, Chaz. Okay. Um, well, Chris, again, I want to thank you for coming in. I thank had you. a chance to uh, listen to your music, and your sound is incredibly unique. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering, in terms of just the music alone, what inspires you lyrically? Ah, uh, yeah, I guess like a lot of times it's like a happening, a funny happening or something. There's this song Coffee on the album that yes, yes. It was kind of, I got just turned on by being on the airplane one day and having a lot of coffee and being like really in the zone and wrote that one. <laughs> or there's this tune Underwear that's just was inspired uh, on, the, on the street one day, like saw a lady walk by and kind of like, saying that to myself, not at her. <laughs> Just And I should mention that song always gets an encore. Ah, yeah, yeah, if we don't play it, people protest. Well people protest and then when you do play it, people ask for you to play it again. Oh man, that's right. This is Max. I actually was uh, after I listened to your song last night, uh, that song and, and a couple others I was I was singing the underwear song to my girlfriend before. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Did she enjoy it? She laughed. <laughs> good, good. Okay. She kept her underwear on, though. Oh. <laughs> so like most artists, you know, we all borrow from each other. In terms of your stage show, um, who has influenced you and what have you taken from them? Yeah. Um, man, there's one person that Stephanie hipped me to that became a huge influence, Laurie Anderson. Oh, yeah. That time that uh, we went to that Laurie Anderson show at Zellerbach Hall here at Berkeley, and she just had this unbelievable beginning, middle, and end to her performance and brought a lot of her disciplines into it. She had movement, she had storytelling, she had electronic sound design, she had incredible violin playing, and just like somehow all of those things managed to be woven into this, you know, experience that she does. And so after seeing that, that knocked me out pretty seriously. So I'm curious, um, where do you want to go with your music? Um... Ah, this last album opened my eyes to like the possibilities of hanging out in the studio a lot. And I think that's what I'd like to do. Like our, our band playing live is having a lot of fun and we're improvising a lot on stage. But in the studio, the thing that the Groundhog's Day sessions woke me up to was that you can really treat the studio as an instrument and bring in groups of musicians who you want to work with for a particular song so I think my next record, I'm hoping to call it Le Chronique, and I'm thinking of it being sort of like those really overproduced 70s dance albums, like when there's a disco song with lots of strings on it, you know, or like a harp flourishes here and there, or like suddenly there's a choir, like I'd kind of like to see if I could rope enough people in to make a, a giant overproduced sassy kind of thing. Now, when I was reviewing your music, um, my three sons were in the room listening ah. to um, your tunes with me. And my youngest son, Jesse, um, told me to ask you a question. Ah, cool. Do you ever play at schools? And if so, how do they get to uh, get you to play at their school? Wow. That sounds pretty awesome. Um, I've played a little bit at some schools. Um, I guess the day before yesterday... I played at um, this middle school in Novato called Sinaloa Middle School. 
and it was walking distance from my parents' house, and so I walked to the gig. It was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but I guess most of the time when I've played at schools in the past, it hasn't been my material because I, I teach rock band class um, during the school year at a school that I went to in Terra Linda. It's called St. Mark's School, and it's a really like open, creative place. And so... I've had my bands, my youth bands play there and I'm like a backup guitar player, you know, while they're playing Smoke on the Water or like ACDC or whatever they're digging that year. Um, but I, I really want to do solo sets at schools because it would give me a chance to sort of like really work on the storytelling presentation kind of aspect and like try and have a message throughout that you keep coming back to. I have just one more question that I want to get in. Now, you are so unique. And in today's modern musical world, I mean, everything sounds the same and it's really boring. What gives you sort of the strength and the vision to just go off on your own way and just march away from the crowd? Ah, you know, it's always a happy accident. (laughs) It's, It's never like a conscious effort. And there's times where I write things that really do sound the same as like what's going on. But I, I hope at those points to do that well. You know, if I'm writing just classic rock and roll song or a classic, you know, hip hop tune, trying to just do that form respectfully. And I think the way to be original is to imitate a lot while you're developing so that you have a wide toolkit. And then somehow accidentally that stuff is bound to synthesize. So I see what you're saying. You're saying you sort of sample everything that's available, then you put your own unique twist on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. nice, man. Mm -hmm. All right, so we will be right back. On next week's show, we'll be going back to one interviewer, and I'll be talking to Larissa Mann from the law school about creativity and copyright laws in Jamaica. But until the new producers are producing full-time... We'll be doing reruns produced by myself, interspersed with new shows produced by our new producers, Max, Chaz, and maybe yourself if you're interested. So please join us for The Graduates every Monday from 12 to 12.30 on CalEx. So welcome back. Today I'm talking with Chris Peck the town crier who produced the background music for the show, along with two new producers, Chaz Walker and Max Radcliffe. And now I'm going to turn the interview over to Max, whose voice you may already recognize from Calex and KPFA. We've been talking about your performance at the elementary school in Novato and your desire to continue to, to work with kids in that context. You yourself were a student of music as as a young person in elementary school, I understand, and, and again, in high school. And what kind of programs were you involved during that part of your life with music? Yeah. Um, I was uh, part of this really awesome school that I that I teach at now, and it's a K-8 school in, in Terra Linda, and it's called St. Mark's School, and it's just a pretty darn creative faculty there. And a lot of the people that taught me are still there. And there was one guy who came and started a rock band program and he just kind of moved a bunch of drum sets and amps into his math room. And, uh, all of a sudden this like revolution started off where people from fourth grade to eighth grade started taking up guitar or drums or something that they could join a band with, whatever that was. 
and started writing original music. And pretty soon there were like five or six bands kind of, you know, competing with each other and like being inspired by each other. And so that was really the beginning of it. And then it turned out that Marin just had this really supportive cast of musicians who um, a lot of them are like pretty legendary and amazing, but community minded. And they're kind of like, hey, let's let's go to, you know, the walkathon and play. And that's what happened on Saturday was this guy, Terry Haggerty, showed up and played guitar. And he's like one of the best guitarists in the world. I think he was just like throwing down in Novato at a jogathon, you know. So that seemed to happen a lot when I was in high school that I just met a lot of incredible players and got to take lessons with some of them and yeah. You mentioned you studied at the Gallatin School of Music at, at NYU and that you designed your own major navigating society as an artist. Yeah. That was another accident I, that it was named that. <laughs> I understand that it, from what you said that it was a bit of an ad hoc type of major but what did you learn about navigating ah, society yeah. as an artist and how are you navigating society as an artist today yeah awesome <laughs> so it's called the the gallatin school of individualized study that's the overall name of it and um there are a bunch of people who are into music that go there but there's people who are into like you know um people have crazy names for their majors and what i didn't realize at the time is that when you take your final, you, you present your thesis orally at Gallatin, and they call it a colloquium, I think. Yeah, and it's sort of like a two-hour conversation with two professors of your choice and your advisor, and their guidelines are that you've got to pick 25 books um, from certain categories, from classics, from sciences, fiction, philosophy. And I ended up picking all of these stubborn individualists. I ended up reading... Uh, Charles Mingus's like semi-fictional autobiography. It's called Beneath the Underdog. It's a wild book that like attempts not to be a book or something. It's <laughs> it's really cool. Um, and like Thoreau's Walden, and um, I read some Machiavelli. It was like all these people who like got in trouble for being themselves, and that ended up just sort of being the through line of these twenty-five books and it kept coming back to this center pole idea of like define success for yourself and don't sort of accidentally adopt what other people think is a life well lived and also Thomas More's Utopia was another book I ended up choosing it's all these people who are like aware of the forces of society and how they might influence you just by accident just by absorption and you know wanting to fit in and not be lonely and things like that and so I ended up naming my colloquium Navigating Society as an Artist. And it turns out that that's what your major is called, is whatever you name your colloquium. And so when I got my transcript back, it was like, Major, Navigating Society as an Artist. And I was like, cool, definitely employable. All right, <laughs> I have this degree now. Um, but you're, devi- you're uh, defining success for yourself. So. Yeah, that is the answer, the ultimate answer to what you're asking. Like, how, how am I navigating now? I think by trying to choose what matters, choose what I'm trying to attain for myself. And what it's ended up being is how sharp and original and real can I be as a musician? And that's what it keeps coming back to. And it seems like from a marketing angle or a, you know, successomaniac kind of angle, 
I've been able to like let go of chasing success specifically and just letting success happen as a side effect of really trying to make some blazing original stuff and to do for somebody what my heroes did for me. I think it was Frank Zappa who who talked about his music and that he would do what he gets off on. And mm. by the law of percentages, there's got to be somebody else out there who yeah. gets off on the same thing. Yeah. And when we get together, we'll have a good time. And your music seems to kind of go by a similar philosophy, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he's a big-time hero for me, Zappa. And he's such a, um, you know uncompromising guy. And sort of, he's like a fun curmudgeon. Like he's he's a total misanthrope. And if you watch interviews with him on YouTube, he's so mean to the interviewer, but the interviewer likes him. You know, he's just kind of like, well, that's a terrible question. And then he smiles at the guy, you know, or something like that. And so he just kind of made elbow room for himself by acting like that. So I like that guy a lot. I mean, I think I'll try a friendlier approach. Yeah, you're being pretty friendly. Speaking of being friendly to us, what do you say you play a little bit more music for us or perform something? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I wanted to say one more thing about what you were just saying about there must be somebody who likes what you like. It reminded me of two quotes. Um, There's a um, band called Sonic Youth, and somebody in that band said in an interview, like, we're just trying to be the band that we wished existed when we were growing up. And then... That made me think of the Gandhi quote, be the change you want to see in the world. So as a musician, it's like, be the sound that's missing. Mm. Um, And then once you're done with that, also be the change community-wise that you want to see and, you know, globally or however else you want to act. But yeah. So are you prepared to be the sound that's missing from the interview? Yeah, sure, for sure. (laughs) Can I make a request for the sound that we're going to hear, actually? Yeah. So I want to know a little bit about Crouching Tiger slash Hidden Dragon, which is the background music for the show. Oh, uh, yeah. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and then maybe do it for us live. Oh, man. So I didn't prepare very well to well, do Crouching tell, Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It, it was kind of an ambitious song, and there was this period where I was trying to get into Mills College. So back to the graduates. I was trying to be a graduate student at Mills College, and um, I got denied. But that song was my audition song oh. to go there. Yeah, and so now you're using it on the graduates, oh. and it's getting its purpose. <laughs> okay, so if you can't play that for us live, then <laughs> what are you going to do? Maybe I could play um, this tune, The Widow and the Wasp. Yeah. And maybe what I could do, I think if I play loud enough and just sort of put this <clears throat> between my voice and the guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This tune's called The Widow and the Wasp. And when you were kind of asking, like, what starts things lyrically, this one was started um, watching the Nature Channel. Um, there was an episode where a, um, like, kind of a, yeah, a hornet or a wasp gets caught in a black widow's web. And they had it in this really high-definition camera. And it was like a 20-minute battle where, like, this wasp was pulling out every trick it had with two limbs still movable. And then eventually was just completely stuck, and this Black Widow just kind of, like, wrapped him up really quickly and gracefully and started working on his head. (laughs) um, I was like, man, that's tight. And wrote this, like, boogie-woogie, and I feel like it's kind of in the Chuck Berry mold or something. So it goes... Okay. 
started with a peck on the cheek, and then she ran to me unable to speak. The black of the widow, the thick of the weave of the web. Hmm. I'm talking to the literal best, believe what I said. She spread me out on her bed. She said she wanted me dead. But foreign appetizers scraped the skin on my head. Yeah, you best believe I was a bad bumblebee. The rumble in the jungle could humble a tumblebee. Oh, but it's a tangled web we weave when we seek to deceive. Woe was me, the widow put me to sleep. That's deep. Okay, so Chris, Chaz, Max. It's been a pleasure talking with all of you. Thank you. This is cool. Thanks for coming. Yeah, Chris, I uh, really enjoyed your music, man. I think you can have a That's great deep. career. Thank you kindly. Yeah, nice to hang around the same table, guys. Hopefully I can interview uh, all three of you at once sometime. <laughs> and if you'd like to see Chris play live, you can check him out on August 1st, which is this Friday, at the Linden Street Brewery in Oakland during their happy hour, which goes on from 4 to 9. And if his music weren't enough to convince you to go, they will also be serving free beer. But the beer runs out by 7, so get there early, watch Chris play. You can also check out his other upcoming shows on the web at myspace.com slash chrispeck. You've been listening to The Graduates, a radio show dedicated to graduate student research on KALX Berkeley. Background music, as you now know, was produced by Chris Peck. My name is Stephanie Gerson. New producers are Chaz Walker and Max Radcliffe, though I'm still looking for other new producers. So if you're interested, please visit us on Facebook. Search for The Graduates Calex on facebook.com and if you're not interested in producing visit us anyway because it's always nice to get feedback from listeners you can download our podcasts from iTunes University and join me next Monday from 12 to 12.30 first thing I caught was the tips of my feet the more I fought, the more it stuck to me. The heart of the struggle, the tide of the rap around me. For her, the heart of the battle, the sweet of the victory. Nonetheless, I was impressed how she kept a cool head. And sunk a poison tooth into the back of my neck. Yeah, you best believe I was a bad bumblebee. The rumble in the jungle, the humble in the summer Oh, but it's a tangle every week when we seek to deceive. Woe is me, the way to put me to sleep. That's it.